This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Well, good evening, Ark Church. Welcome, Mark, online, wherever you are and however you may be watching. We're glad that you're here. And uh, for those of you who are here live, we are back live on Wednesday nights. Yes. It's good to have my father here in the building, but it's... Uh, no. Just kidding. Thank you for that one very enthusiastic amen. But we are glad to be back. Let me, uh, ever on Wednesday nights, we take a little time and uh, dig around a little bit and uh, spend a little bit more time in the scriptures. But also uh, on stewardship, I want to take it. Philip did a great job in there, and the, that new building is coming along real nice. But as he did, I want to take just a little bit of time to start where we started last week to go through the scriptures and find out what Jesus said about money and what Jesus said about giving. And so it's always good to hear it from him. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit a verse tonight that's kind of a misunderstood verse. So let's look at this. This is Matthew 6, 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. This is Jesus' words. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So let me take just a little bit and, and look at, at those because that word hate is a little confusing. And because you'll actually see in other places in the gospel where Jesus said, if you come to me and don't hate your father and mother and, and family, that you can't, you can't follow me. How many of you know Jesus was not advocating that we hate our family? I mean, this was actually probably spoken before the holidays, but he was not advocating that, that we hate our family. The idea, that the word hate, the word hate means to love less. To love less. If you look at it from that perspective, it makes a lot more sense, to love less. And the word despise is not how we use despise. When we use despise now, we like, oh, I just despise that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that is a, uh, that's actually not an accurate word. That despise is not how we use it today. That despise means to think lightly of. So that makes a little bit more sense, to think lightly of. Go ahead, Chris, if you can put that verse back up there again. So let's take a look at it from that perspective. Oh, I just messed with him. Here we go. All right. No one can serve two masters, for either he will love less the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and think lightly of the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that word mammon, is, we, we don't use that word much today. Haven't heard anybody say, I need to go to work, make some mammon. <laughs> but it, the idea of mammon is, mammon is... Uh, it's a very comprehensive word that means riches and possessions and gains and can be used for wealth. And so he's just saying you can't serve. That word serve means to obey and to be devoted to. So you can't be devoted to, to two things. And so he's saying you can't, you can't obey God and just obey chasing the dollar. And but, but here's what he didn't say. Jesus didn't say, you, you can't serve God and have money. He did not say that. And, and the reason I go over that, it, depending on how you were raised, if you were, if you were not raised in church and you're thinking, that's crazy, why would I want to do that? Uh, some of you were raised where you thought if you had money, you weren't spiritual. Y'all are so quiet. I've never heard this many people be quiet. It's okay. You can breathe, you can say amen. Even if you're wearing a mask, it's all right. Um, relax, we're gonna have a good time. I'm not, I'm not taking up an offering. 
I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hit you up for money tonight. But the idea is, if your thinking is confused about what God wants for you, then you're gonna be conflicted all the time. And you're out trying to work hard and make money, but if Jesus doesn't want you to have money because you can't serve God and serve mammon, then, then there's a problem there. But if you understand that he's just saying, I, I can't obey. Now, I'll, I'll just give you an example. When I went to North Carolina a long time ago to start a church and it didn't work, I started working for my father. And he was gracious to hire me. He didn't have the money to hire me, but he hired me. And we were barely, just barely making it. I mean, uh, Joy actually used to count the slices of bread for the lunch. And I actually got the same lunch that Matthew, my five-year-old, got. And so, by the, by the way, if, if you think being poor is a blessing, I'd be glad to share with you a little bit later about it, it was not a blessing. Poverty is not a blessing. Poverty is a curse. And, um, well, I won't veer, but anyway. I had an opportunity, and someone, this was in 19, 1990. And I had an opportunity to get a job, a sales job, and the guy wanted to hire me, and he was going to pay me about $60,000 a year. I mean, even though in 1990, $60,000 is not bad. Some of you are thinking $60,000 is not bad now either. But $60,000, then it, it would have solved a lot of my uh, financial problems right then. So why didn't you take it? Because in my heart, I sensed that we were supposed to start a church. And so I sat down and we talked with a guy. He wasn't a believer, he's a nice guy. And I, he looked at me one time during the court and I was just honest with him. I said, you know, I came here to start a church. And this guy looked at me, I'll never forget. This is an unbeliever. He looked at me, he said, you know what? He said, man, I'd love to give you this job. He said, but I got this bad feeling that you're gonna work for me for about a year or less and God's gonna call you to start a church and you're gone. So I had this guy who wasn't even a believer prophesying over my life. And I remember I looked at him and I went, <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I got in the car and as I was driving back to my little dark apartment, I told the Lord, I said, I just want you to know, I gave up a $60,000 a year job. I said, just wanted you to know that. Just... <laughs> But, but what was it? Listen, if I was chasing money, what would I have done? I'd have taken that. I'd have taken that job. And so, but, but listen, God called me to do something else. I had an opportunity to, before I started the ark, I had an opportunity to go with another company. This was right before we started the church. Guy calls me up. He was going to pay me. This is in 1996. I had the potential to make a quarter million dollars a year in sales. You know, you know, now some of you are thinking, that's chump change. I don't think it's chump change. That's, that's, that's good money. And in 1996, come on. And uh, he said, uh, he said, man, he said, you can do this. He said, you'll be a national sales manager. You travel all over the nation. He said, you make presentations. It was putting up cell phone towers. Now, how many of you remember cell phones in the 90s were just starting to catch on? Guys, this is what we used to call a bird nest on the ground. You know what I'm talking about when I say a bird nest on the ground? This, was, this, this is printing money. And uh, I said, let me pray about it. So I went back and I started praying about it. And at first it sounded real good. 
$40 million sounds good. Oh, don't look so religious. Y'all know it. Come on. Quarter million dollars? Sounds good. And uh, I was thinking, hmm, so be good. And I'm praying about it and praying about it. But the Bible said there's many plans in a man's heart. The counsel of the Lord, that will stand. So as I prayed about it, it left me. And I forgot about it. Because we were just getting ready to start this church. He called me two weeks later. He said, are your knees sore? I said, from what? He said, from praying. You've been praying for two weeks about this job. Do you want this job or not? And I said, brother, I said, I'll be honest with you. I said, it sounds great. I said, but I believe God's called us to, to start a church in, in, in Conroe, Texas. And if I did that, I'd be cheating you and, and cheating them. And so I passed up a quarter million dollar job. Told the Lord that too. Lord, this is, a, this is another job I just passed up for you because I, I love you. And uh, I, I want to, no, you know, the idea is this, is there are times in your life when you have to make decisions on whether you're going to follow God or just simply chase money. I've talked to people before. I've, they've come to talk to me and said, Pastor, I've got a good opportunity to make, make more money. I, I'm moving to this one town in Indiana. I said, I said, tell me about the town. He said, well, man, it's a rule. It says hardly anybody there, but, man, I make a lot of money. I said, is there a church there? He's like, like, no. I'm like, whoa. I said, but just before you run off, do you realize that, that being fed and staying strong spiritually sometimes is more valuable than money? <laughs> I can feel the enthusiasm just rising in, in, in this thing. But Jesus said, you, you can't obey both. So the idea is, but here's the deal. If you'll serve God, and then if you read the rest of the passage, maybe we'll talk about that next week. He said, but if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. God's not trying to keep you poor and under, underneath and oppressed so you can serve him. In fact, I'll be very honest with you. It's easier to serve him with finances than without because you can do a lot more good. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we get all kinds of convoluted ideas about money, but um, we're going we're gonna to pull the cover off that because I really, really believe that Jesus wants his people blessed. We're going to, we're, we started a series last week called Guided by God, and we're going, to, we're going to continue that today. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful today for the opportunity just to, to come and, and be here together, grateful for the opportunity to be online. Lord, I thank you for every individual here and ask that they would have a heart to receive, ears to hear. For every individual listening online, that your words will go into their heart and make a difference. Lord, we thank you for your anointing. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is the teacher. We thank you, Father, that you have truth that absolutely makes us free. And we give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm holding this water bottle. Let me drink some of it. Next scripture has been Proverbs, the third chapter, verses 5 and 6. Do we have that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and ye shall direct your paths. As I was studying this passage and looking at this passage, I really believe in this passage is some real keys to being guided by God. Now last week we talked about, and it's, you can always go and get it or watch it online. We talked about the idea of, of some of the ideas, does God still speak today? Does he still guide his people today? And so we went into that. 
and I won't, I won't take the time to go back into that, but we hit, we hit a lot of the ideas and what I call a lot of the myths that are out there and misconceptions that people often have about being led by God. So what we're talking about today is, I believe contained in, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are some real important things about being guided by God. And so we're going to start with the very first one. It says, trust in the Lord. Being, being guided by God, as is all our relationship with Him, is going to come down to a function of trust, a trust in Him. So let's talk about that tonight. In fact, the, the name of this passage, the name of this, uh, this session tonight is called, In God We Trust. Trust means to be confident, to be bold, to be confident in and bold. We, we sang that song tonight. I, uh, I place my hope in him. I am confident in this. In fact, as we were singing that, I thought, that's a good thing to say. I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's something good to be confident in. I'm, I'm confident. People are talking about how bad things are in the, in the church. There's all this wailing and lamenting. I'm confident that God's going to restore his church and restore people who've been away and who are away now. I'm confident of this. I believe we're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so that confidence is trust. And then there's a, there's a key word on trust that I want you to catch a hold of. The trust is also the feeling of safety and security when you can rely on someone or something. A feeling of safety or security when you can rely on someone. And here's, the, here's one of the keys about trust. You'll have to, you'll have to forgive me. I, I, our, our mic is, I had to use a different mic tonight. And so every time I put something, you get the, you get the, the noise. But don't let that distract you like it's distracting me. And... Um, <laughs> The idea is this, we put our trust in God. It's something that you, I put my trust. So I, I don't know how to put my trust. Well, let me ask you something. Have you ever had someone say, trust me? And you go, okay. When Joy and I got married, uh, she came from a, a, a family that uh, men were not good. <clears throat> in fact, all the men left. And when I married Joy, I came from a family where my dad was, uh, one of the best things about my father was he was a very faithful man, and he was very good to my mother. And he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't a skirt chaser, he didn't chase women. He didn't even talk about other women. He was a very honorable man in that area. I mean, a beautiful girl could walk by, and the best you could ever get out of my dad was, that's a girl. That was it. No, nothing lewd, anything. Very honorable. So when I married Joy, I'm like, okay, I already had a great example. You get married, she's it. Nobody else. I'm a one-woman man. They say, well, I, I need a lot of women. No, you're deceived is what you are. And you're also a candidate for a disease if you keep that up. And so <laughs> this is Wednesday night, people. This is what we do. The, uh, so the, the idea when I met Joy is she didn't trust men. And so, even though I'm doing everything right, so finally she, she started, she, and, and the Lord impressed her to trust him, and when she trusted him, she was able to put trust in me. Now, here's what happens. Over the years, trust builds, because you, you develop a, a confidence, you develop a, a, a pattern of faithfulness, so trust can build. 
but I've looked at, I've looked at employees who've come from other churches and maybe they've had bad experiences. And I, I, I've looked at one and said, I said, when are you gonna trust me? This guy looked at me, he smiled, he said, today. And he did. It was a choice. Psalms 9, verse 10 says, and those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Put our trust. Now, it's interesting, in the Psalms alone, you will, you will see the term, put my trust, put my trust, put my trust in God, 20 times. It's a, it's a pattern. It's a thing that we can put our trust in God. Now, I was thinking, how do we do that? So let's talk about how, how do we put our trust in God? You say, well, I hear people say, well, I'm trying, I'm trying to trust God. Let me, let me give you something that I, I, I think will help you and will help you in your trust and, and learning how to trust God. And how many of you know that trusting God's a good thing? The Bible said he saves those who put their trust in him. If you read, there's a lot of blessings associated with simply trusting God. And so one of them is that feeling of security that when all hell's busting loose all around you, you know you've got confidence in someone who is not going to let you down, who has the strength and the ability to get you through. Sometimes it's just good to, to go, Lord, I thank you. I put my trust. I, I, I like to start my mornings with a psalm, and I like Psalms 18. It says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the strength of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. I put my trust there. And so this is a good way to start off in the morning. Lord, I put my trust in you. Here's how we do it. First one is this. And it's, well, let me go to this passage. I found this in Proverbs 22, 17 through 19a. Let's look at this. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge, for it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. So let me give you four things today that will help you with your trust in God. Here's the first one, being willing to hear God's word. It said, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. Hearing God's word is a conscious act on our part. And there's no other place where you're going to find more wisdom. There's no other place where you're going to find more wisdom. Every now and then somebody comes up with this book and says, this is ancient wisdom and they found from some Chinese guy or some guy in some foreign, it's like, wow, this is ancient wisdom. This is ancient. Listen, the Bible is full of wisdom. And it's full of godly wisdom. And it hasn't changed. They don't have to keep rewriting it. It's, it's God's wisdom. He said, if you, he said, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. We have to be willing to hear what his word says if we want further direction. I'm going to say that again. People are saying, Lord, lead me, guide me, lead me, guide me. First place we have to be willing to do is, first, I'm willing to be led and guided by his word. Does that make sense? That, that becomes the foundation of where we start. We start with his word first. Then the other types of direction come. Keith Moore, who was here a few weeks ago, said something I thought was brilliant. He said, you get the plan on the willing band. The more willing we are the more we're, we're willing to hear. Have you, ever talk, have you ever talked to someone and they're like, they are sold 
on, on the relationship they've got. And you're, you're looking at the thing, and you're the objective third party, and you're looking at it going, that's going to be a dumpster fire right there. That, that is going to be bad news. And so you start talking to that person. How many of you ever tried to talk to someone who already had their mind made up? Is that impossible or what? You're talking, but they're not hearing you. They're like, hey, come on. Those of you who have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're looking at you going, it's, it's all going all over their head. Why? Not willing. Have you ever had them get in trouble? Then they come to you and go, I'm in trouble. What do I do? And they're like, all ears. And you go, well, you're going to need to do this, this, and this. Okay, got it. So when we become willing, we hear better. So first place we start is, Lord, I'm willing to hear what your word says. That's number one. Number two, apply your heart to the knowledge of God. How important is the knowledge of God to us? Second Peter 1, 2 says this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Those of you who are here tonight, those of you who are watching online, I commend you. You could be doing something else, but you're sitting here. And what you're gaining is the knowledge of God. And when you gain the knowledge of God, the good thing that happens is grace and peace get added to you. I don't know about you, but I could use a lot more grace in my life. And I could use a lot more peace in my life. Well, it's not just going to fall on me like rain. It's going to come as the more I know about God, the more I know about his plan and who he is and how much he loves me and what he wants for my life, the more I know about that, the more grace comes my way. The more I begin to realize, God, you're not holding back on me. You're not holding back. All I need to do is believe what you have for me, that there's great things up in store. And when you believe something good's going to happen to you, even in difficult times, there's a sense of peace that can hold you. Does that make sense? Grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of God. I'm going to tell you something. Those of you who came, those of you who are watching, you are not wasting your time. This is not a waste of time. This is not a religious duty. This is one of the smartest things you can do. Because you get God's wisdom, and it will fix stuff that money can't even fix. Listen, let me tell you something. You throw money at problems all day long, but you get God's wisdom, and it can fix it fast. So you're getting God's knowledge. So never think, oh, okay, I've got to go to church. I'm going to go to church. I have people come to me tell me all the time, I didn't want to come tonight. Don't tell me that. <laughs> Just tell me you're glad that you came, and it was wonderful, and I'm awesome. Just don't tell me I didn't want to come, <laughs> but I came anyway. Well, good. But most people will say, you know what, I didn't want to come, there's things pushing me, but when I came, because you made the effort, and because you showed up, you had ears willing to hear, you sought the knowledge of God, you usually leave a lot better off than you came in. Right. Just the way it works. And that's not because, I'm not saying, Alan, it's because you're an awesome teacher. No, 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 no. It's because we're getting God's knowledge and God's wisdom, and you've placed it as a priority. Apply your heart to the knowledge of God. No one can make us supply our heart, including God, and he doesn't scream. 
He won't say, y'all listen to me, y'all listen to me. He won't do it. He'll just say, here it is. You got ears to hear it? Here it is. No one can make us apply our heart. The apply our heart means to pay attention. It means to take something to heart. So you hear something, you hear God's word, and you begin to take it to heart. So what do you mean take it to heart? Well, let me, let, me, let me go on the negative side. Have you ever had someone say something to you that was hurtful and you took it to heart? You, you just, maybe you were having a great day. And someone said something to you and it was just ugly. And, and they left and you're like, dang, I was having a good day. Now you're just, now you're walking around, walking in a room, someone says, what's wrong? You go, nothing. They go, you're lying. You see it all over you. What'd you do? You took a thought that wasn't from God, that wasn't meant to help you, and hurt you, and you took it to heart. We've all done it. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you know this? If we can take negative things to heart, why can't we take positive things to heart? If we can hear what God's word said, he said he loves you, he'll help you. We go, take that to heart. That's a good word. The Bible said a good word, anxiety in the heart of man will make it, make it stoop. But a good word will make it glad. You say, well, I need someone to share a good word with me. Here's the good news. If you, if you can get access to a Bible, if you've got it on your phone, you can read scriptures. And that's a good word. And you can take it to heart. And uh, it'll bless. I used to take cards to work when I worked in sales. When I'm driving, I had cards. I'd memorize scripture. Just taking God's word to heart. Just putting it in. What am I doing? I'm applying my heart to knowledge. So apply your heart to the knowledge of God. Number three. It's a really good thing to keep God's word in you. He said, it's a pleasant thing if you keep them, God's word, God's wisdom, within you. It's a good thing to keep God's word in you. That word delightful is, and is the same thing as pleasant. Pleasant means delightful. Here's another word for it. Joy-inducing. It's a good thing to keep God's word in you. Jesus said, what's in our hearts will come out of us and produce in our lives. Luke, the sixth chapter. A good man, now the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil, or you can say negative man, out of the negative treasure of his heart. That word treasure, don't get caught up with treasures. How can you have an evil treasure? That word treasure means deposit. Out of an evil deposit of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. You ever heard the term? It's, a, it's an old term. I don't know if they use it anymore. They used to use it in computer programming called garbage in, garbage out. That if you put, if you put bad stuff in, you're going to get bad stuff out. What Jesus is saying is the same thing. What we put in our heart is going to impact us. It's going to make a difference in us. And it's going to begin to come out of our mouths. You begin to put good things in you. You say, well, how do I even know I'm putting stuff in me? I'm not putting stuff in me. I'm not trying to put stuff in me. I'm not trying that. Okay, how about this? What you think about is what gets in your heart. What you think about, especially what you think about on a continual basis, is what's going to get in your heart. Don't go quiet on me. I'm, I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm not, 
I'm not going to have you stand up and testify about bad stuff in your heart. No, I'm not doing that. But listen to me. It, it, that's where it starts. People say, man, I, I fell into adultery. You didn't fall into adultery. What happened was you were thinking about that ahead of time. And that, that, that got, got in you. If you don't say anything, your neighbor will not know that you're here. <laughs> no, I, no I, I get it. But, but listen, if, if you're dealing right now, and you're saying, man, there's this problem in my life, and I keep dealing with it, and it keeps showing up over and over and over again, instead of always just trying to fix the behavior, we need to go upstream a little bit and find out what are the thoughts that you keep putting in your heart that are helping to cause the behavior. Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, putting good things in your heart. Now, here's the good news. I'm not going to leave you there. Here's the good news. If you've been thinking, man, I've, I've been putting bad stuff. I've been putting hate and negativism and doubt and anger and all that stuff in my heart, and it's been there. It's in my family, and I grew up with it, and I've been just putting it in and putting it in, and I listen to the news, and it makes me madder, and I just put that in my heart, and I'm just mad and angry. You can change. But if you want to change, start working on changing your input. What comes in? Y'all here? Y'all okay? I, I, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm your pastor. I love you. I'm, I'm trying to help you. And, and, and to help you, you, you gotta, we got to go upstream and find out what kind of thoughts am I thinking? What kind of thoughts am I putting in my heart? The Bible said to be carnally minded, to be fleshly, totally dominated by the flesh is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Yes. How many, I'm, here, here's another example. There's, how many of you know that you could be having a good day and you hear something bad? Maybe you hear a, a, something bad or you get bad news and you go from having a good day to a bad day. Am I the only one that's ever had that happen to them? No. What happened? Well, the sun could still be shining. You could still be doing good. You could still feel healthy. But all of a sudden, your thoughts went from really good to really bad. And one thing about bad thoughts, you ever notice this? They kind of feed off one another. So a bad thought goes, and, and all of a sudden, it just, it just kind of starts to snowball. <laughs> Y'all look at me like, <laughs> yeah, it does. And it, it, it starts to snowball. You say, well, how, how do I even stop that? One of the best, one of the best things you can do is begin, to, is begin to talk about what i got to talk about next. You begin to take God's Word, and you put it in your mouth. It, and when you put it in your mouth, you can begin to change your thoughts. You say, well, is that scriptural? Look, look at this next verse. Let them all be fixed upon your lips. Let God's word be fixed. Now listen, that word fixed is, means to be established, to be steadfast. It implies a consistency. Now here's an area, and I'm going I'm to tell on me. Here's an area that's probably one of the biggest deficits in my own spiritual life that I'm having to work on. I'm, I'm not going to talk about you. I'm talking about me. It's the idea of being too quiet. I'm not... I know you think I just talk all the time. I actually don't. I'm kind of a quieter person. 
And it's very easy for me to skip in my thoughts. But sometimes my thoughts aren't so good. You say, well, you're a pastor. Your thoughts need to be good. Anyway. <laughs> the idea is this. Is I have to change my thoughts and deal with thoughts just like you do. Being a pastor, by the way, being a pastor does not give me a leg up on doing what God's word says. I, every time I say that, people are like, no, yes. It's not like I get out of, get out of jail free card, but oh, you're a pastor? You get to skip a few steps. I don't get to, I don't, I don't skip any steps. In fact, I get more stuff because my preaching comes back and smacks me. So, so listen to me. How many of you, you, you can go, I can go in my thoughts and, and my thoughts can be negative and it's not leaving me down a good place. But you know what can change that? I begin to put God's word on my lips. Lord, I want to thank you that you're my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. You're my God. In you I will trust. I say driving home, sometimes I, sometimes I can have a day up here that is, I know y'all think that I just kind of like float in my office <laughs> and there's just a choir outside singing noise. He's back. It is. So it, no. I listen to stuff. I have to deal with stuff. We deal with things. And sometimes I'm driving home and I just feel beat. I'm, I'm the only one. Just indulge me just for a moment. But what I found is if I can take God's word and fit it in my lips, fit it in my mouth, and begin to say, Lord, you're good. And your mercy endures forever. Say, well, do you always feel like saying it? No, that's exactly the challenge. I don't feel like saying it. But after I begin to say it, the feelings follow. But what it begins to do is it begins to change my thoughts. Because your thoughts can go to what you don't have, what you don't know, what you can't do. It can go negative, or we can change it. And it can go, God... You're good. I trust you. I put my trust in you. I rejoice in you. Listen, you can do this, but it takes practice. So I'm going to, I'm going to hear what God's word says. I'm going to apply my heart to it. I mean, there's, I'm serious about this. I'm, I'm going to make sure that my input, I'm, I'm keeping God's word in me. And then I'm going to keep it in my mouth. Now I challenge the church on Sunday to pick it up in the, in the Bible reading. Anybody here on Sunday, you heard that. Challenged every, I've challenged everybody. I haven't forgotten. But, but, but I, got, I got a new challenge for you. You're the Wednesday nighters. You're the SWAT team. So here, here's the deal. This week, take one verse and put it in your mouth. I'm not saying take a whole chapter. But take one verse. Even if you just simply take, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just practice that. Putting God's, and what it'll help you do is, it'll help you change your thoughts. And it, when it helps you change your thoughts, it, it can begin to, to, to spark something good in you. But the Bible says, if we'll do that, hear, apply, keep his word in us, and keep it in our mouth, so that our trust may be in the Lord.
See, God, do you see the progression there? We're listening. We're applying. We're, we're, we're serious about this. And, and we're putting his word in our mouth. And our trust is in him. That's where we put our trust. Say, so what's that got to do with being guided by God? If you're going to follow him, you have to trust him. If you're going to follow and, and trust that he's leading you, he's got good things for you, it's got to be a trust relationship. I don't follow anyone I don't trust. But if I trust you, now I've got something to work with. That help anybody? That give you any insight? Give you something to work with? Great. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? If you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Alan, I, I appreciate all this, and I came to church tonight, and I, honestly, I don't know if I have a relationship with the Lord. Or, or maybe you're here and you say, I used to have a relationship with the Lord. I've gotten so far away from him, and I really, in my heart, I want to come back. But we're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. If you're watching online, uh, you can pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray a prayer. There's a, there's a button you can click. But if that's you that I'm talking to, and you say, you know what, I, I want a relationship with the Lord. I want to come back to him. Would you pray for him? His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Would you just quickly lift your hand up and wave it at me and just say, Alan, that's me. Thank you. Great, thanks. Appreciate your courage. Yeah, got you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. And put your hands down. We're going to pray. And maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You can pray this prayer with us. It's a powerful prayer. I'm going to lead you in it. I'm going to ask the church just to join us in this prayer. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Now, Father, for, the, for those who know you, those who love you, those who walk with you, those who desire even a closer walk, thank you. You'll show us the path of life. All we have to do is acknowledge you. Help us keep your word in our heart and in our lips. We'll give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, if you, if you prayed that prayer with us, there's a card down beside you. The reason I do that is because every week we pray for you. So we pray for, we pray for you as a, church, as a church family, but then we have special prayer for those who've made decisions. So I, I, I want you to think, well, I, I want you to pray for me. We do. So these are for those making decisions. So take a moment. You can fill that out. You can drop it in. You can go online and, and text the word uh, END 313131. We'll get you some information. We'll pray for you. We may not know your name but the Lord knows who you are, and we'll do that. Thanks for listening so well tonight. Always good to see you guys. It's always good to be back on Wednesday night. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.